The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast, Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome. It's Jeff Smith. I am so glad that you could be with us today. I've got Jennifer Owen O'Quill, our guest today. Jennifer, hello. Hello, Jeff. Good to see you. Yeah, so Jennifer works with us here at Voltage uh, Leadership and uh, is going to come on and talk to us about uh, alleviating anxiety. How do we cultivate civility in your workplace? We'll talk more about that in the intro and uh, sort of our first sections, but we're definitely seeing a, a real spike in anxiety, civility challenges, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited about this topic today, right? Yeah. We may even have a few, a few things to teach uh, some of our politicians, some of our sports teams. Heck, even, you know, I, I coached a U-12 basketball championship the other day. We probably could have used a little bit even that between our fans. So, <laughs> yes. So, again, uh, this is Illuminating Leadership. I'm your host, Jeff Smith. If you want to text us... I mean, uh, email us during the uh, show. It's jeff at voltageleadership.com. Our website's www.voltageleadership.com. You can like me on Facebook at uh, Voltage Leadership or connect with Jennifer at Jennifer Owen O'Quill at voltageleadership.com. And you can also hit me up with uh, Jeff Smith on LinkedIn. So, um, Jennifer, you know, congratulations. You know, you've gotten certified in conversational intelligence since the last time we talked. So, job well done. I know the whole last year you spent studying, getting coached, learning the material, right. you know, being pushed, challenged, and experimenting with that. So, congratulations. we got a big old uh, uh, diploma here that I was handing off to you today. So, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. It was a great experience with colleagues from all around the globe and my cohort. We had someone from Sweden. We had someone from India. We had someone from Germany. And it was really a wonderful experience to talk to coaches all over the globe and about conversational intelligence. I'm well, looking forward to sharing that with our audience today. Well, what's interesting about that is that in each of those countries, we have people that uh, listen to our show. You know, even <laughs> Lee West in Denmark, who was a client of ours, uh, right. he, he gave us a shout out this week. Some friends in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and other places. So, uh, you know, I think that's really important and uh, really proud of all the work that you did. And in, I'll be interested to hear some of the content from your program that you learned we'll be bringing to our listeners today. That's right. Yes. Yeah? Definitely about civility, trust, and and erasing anxiety and drama from the workplace. You mean there's anxiety and drama in the workplace? There's anxiety and drama in the workplace. Well, you know, I think that's interesting. So maybe that's, uh, you know, as I travel across the globe, you know, across this country, you know, I was here, there, and everywhere. Um, I'll just relate a real quick story back, back in January. Um, we had a flight that got canceled. It was when Philip and I went to the national championship for JMU and football. A, a great overall experience. 
But there's a gentleman to the left of us, and so I'm here with my 13-year-old son, and he is absolutely losing it, right? He is dressed in a Seville Row-type suit. I mean, you know, so from uh, looks and polish and gelled hair and all that, looks like someone that would handle things with civility and professionalism. And he is dropping F-bomb after F-bomb, and I mean, my son is just like, back away. like, And I'm like, there's nothing I can do. I'm just trying to get us rebooked, you know, on a flight. And this guy refuses to give up his spot at the podium. And you're just like, what about this gentleman? Does he think that this is working for him? And he's screaming at these three people. And so I was just like, wow. And you could hear everyone behind him starting to fuss and escalate. They finally had to escort him out with the police. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is somebody who got emotionally hijacked. Yes, he did get emotionally hijacked. And I think that happens in a little bit more in our workplace. So, you know, you and I have worked with one of our clients that recently uh, did some reduction in force right. um, and, and let some people go. So that's certainly raising anxiety. It is. You know, we've got other clients where the uncertainty of truthfully, what's happening in healthcare. We've got a lot of healthcare clients. What's going to happen with the Affordable Care Act? And, you know, that's creating some anxiety and all that. I'm curious, what are you seeing, though, you know, when you're out working with our clients and traveling around the world and and certainly the country? Well, uh, I I certainly see uh, there's a tentativeness. There's a little more uncertainty and dis-ease that I sense in in teams when I pull them together. And that's been interesting to notice. I actually had a CFO uh, sit down for a conversation and said, you know, the biggest leadership problem I face right now is actually anxiety, like dealing with the anxiety that's just out there and how to help my people through it. And for, uh, I don't want to put a generalization on it, but for the CFO of an organization to come in and say that, wow, I'm really noticing that there's anxiety around here and that my people are not doing well. I was, A, impressed with his emotional intelligence that he would notice that and uh, that he would have thought to sit down and have a conversation about it. And it was helpful. And then what do you do? How do you create the space to um, calm a room? How do you create the space to calm a team down? How do you create the space to uh, allow us to think more clearly because anxiety disrupts our best thinking? Yeah, so I get anxiety. Like that's, you know, people obviously being anxious, but, you know, um, they're unsure of themselves. They're uh, worried about the future of the organization, about the worry about their own career. How about the second part of the word, uh, cultivating civility? What do you mean by civility? I want to make sure that we have a common understanding of civility before we move on. Well, civility is about uh, treating people the way that you would like to be treated what? in a certain way. It's about uh, cr- thinking about the person on the other end of your words mm-hmm. and caring about how they land. And creating an environment where you can still have accountability and civility. And and that is a leadership lesson that is very important. And uh, that we solve our problems or that we have disagreements and that we attack the problem and the idea, but not the person behind the idea. Um, It's about being able to, I love hot uh, boardroom tables where you're wrestling for an argument and trying and trying to find the best idea. There should be a lot of heat at the table, but it shouldn't get personal. And so that's when the line gets crossed. That's the line between good thinking, bright thinking, and a great argument and civility. How we really are going to treat each other and continue to respect the person and the fact that they came with an idea and we want to preserve their creativity. We want them to come with another idea. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is a piece of 
civility in the workplace. You know, we uh, we're, we're in the studio together, looking at each other. You've got a bunch of stats here and things that you're seeing in the in the the workplace. Um, you know, so could you maybe just kind of give us the context of like. Why, why is this emerging as a topic? You know, I certainly am hearing it with my clients. You had heard it. So as we prepped for the show, it was like, yeah, we're seeing this. But, you know, what's some of the data suggesting and, and what are some of the, the key um, uh, highlights that you're reading about? Well, here's some of the things that go unspoken. And a piece of civility isn't just staying quiet about a problem. Mm-hmm. It's also about having the real conversation and that crucial conversation. So there's two there's two. Um, Directions. There's being civil about how you deliver news, but still being candid. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's that mm-hmm. intersection. But one of the things that the data suggests, yes? Civility and candor. Civility and candor are both uh-huh. possible. You can actually say what's on your mind, but you have to pause and think about how to say what's on your mind in a way that preserves the dignity of that other person. <laughs> this reminds me of um, a work that I did with my friend Carl Wilson um, on polarity management. And, and, you know, that's a great one, civility and candor. So right. a great polarity. Thank you. So, so keep going. I didn't mean to stop you. Well, so it, to really get into the data, though, about what the what – the, benefit of civility in the workplace is it cranks up trust, it cranks up productivity, Mm -hmm. and it cranks up creativity in the workplace because there isn't this, um, there isn't fear, right, when you, or there isn't mistrust. So you're not as worried about hidden agendas. If you have candor and you have civility, you also tend to have trust and you tend to have creativity and you tend to have higher productivity. The, uh, the What gets in the way, though, are things that people are keeping quiet about. So mm-hmm. when they aren't being candid, yeah. and it's not, it's a piece of civility is being honest, yeah. not being dishonest, right? right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Because people can smell that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we keep quiet about what other people aren't doing on the team okay. sometimes because we don't want to throw Bob under the bus. But 72% of us keep quiet when people fail to pull their weight instead of going to that person and asking them about it. So that's almost three out of four. Three out of four, right. Wow. Uh, 70% of people keep quiet when others are um, performing poorly. Um, 68 keep quiet when they see somebody disrespect someone. Ooh. And I want to pause here for a moment because we, our role inside the workplace, whether we're the leader or not, the health of an organization has to do with how well the rest of the community referees the game, right? Mm. How well we all do at calling fouls. And in a moment, in a conversation, I've stepped out. I mean, we were in a team meeting at Voltage the other day, and I said something that wasn't kind to uh, one of our colleagues and I caught myself and I said wait a minute I'm sorry we have to call our own fouls but we have to be willing to step in and call the fouls of other people to say that's not okay because I was going to open up a can of whoop butt on if you hadn't right (laughs) (laughs) so so you know I think a couple things are happening here right so it's there's really recognizing in others I call this uh triangulization right so um, I can't talk to, you know, about Jennifer to Lee. I need to be going directly to Jennifer. If I've got a challenge with Jennifer, Jennifer has a challenge with me. Let's not loop in Lee or Marissa or Beth or someone else in our company. We've got to go from one person to the other, and that's candor. But if, if I go to this other place, boy, that just breeds, you know, this anxiousness and this lack of civility. So good. Keep going. Right. And I want to say circle back around and say more about that because there's a wonderful little um, – 
phrase that someone, one of our clients came up with okay, around the difference between uh, good gossip and bad gossip. Okay, we'll come back to that. So uh, then there's the 57% of people keep quiet when others skirt around important issues. Okay. So if a question gets asked and you don't answer that question, you answer a different question. Everybody in the room agrees that that's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's not okay. No. The question needs to be answered. Or we keep quiet when other people are resisting change. And it's not about saying, hey, you get on get on the bus, but really being curious about what are you concerned about? Mm-hmm. Why, why is this hard for you? What do you see that we don't see? Right. So that they have been heard because um, behind that resistance might be a real obstacle that hasn't been considered. And it certainly is an obstacle in that person's mind and deserves to be heard. And so that's helpful. And then the the last one is half of people keep quiet when they are confusion, then they're confused about, oh, what the decision was, <laughs> they don't say anything. So they leave the meeting confused. And we have a tool for that that we'll talk about in this hour together. Well, some of that is just staying present in the moment too, right? So so many of us in meetings these days, I think uh, uh, are on our smartphones, on our laptops, things like that. So sometimes that anxiousness and lack of civility is like, you know, we're just not even on the same page. So this, you know, this first section has gone really fast today, Jennifer. So we're off to a great running start here. I think we've laid the context for what we're seeing with uh, anxiety and how do we cultivate civility. So when we come back in two minutes, we'll start down the path of, all right, so what are some of the steps to, to alleviate this anxiety and cultivate civility? We'll be back in two. Thanks. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. 
To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you could be with us today. It is an awesome day here in Virginia, and we're so excited that you are spending part of your day with us. Um, I've got Jennifer Owen O'Quill, a recently certified um, conversational intelligence coach. So uh, congratulations. Rock on. Uh, and so we were talking about uh, how do you alleviate anxiety and cultivate civility in your workplace, a trend that we're really seeing uh, needed both in workplaces, quite honestly, some of the discussions at the national level and politics here. As globally, well, globally. Globally. Some of the challenges we're, we're, we're facing, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the Brexit or, you know, how does um, the EU deal with Greek, you know, Greece and all that. So it, it, it is alive and well. So, um, you know, I know, Jennifer, that we've been hearing a lot about conversational intelligence. For most people, it's probably still, you know, that's more of a coaching term. It hasn't made it into the common vernacular out there. So when we're talking about um, conversational intelligence, what is it and, you know, what does learning it help you accomplish? Well, the, sh- the short answer is that I learned to curate conversations over the last year. Apparently, SAT words, curate, right, I too. Curate the conversation. It's about thinking about what it is that you want in the different parts of a, of a dialogue, particularly in a meeting, well, how you want people to be thinking, feeling, reacting, responding, and to think about that in advance, and then to design questions that deliver you that result. Mm. To design an environment that delivers you, and an experience, not just a question, but an experience that delivers you that result. The result for most business leaders is that they want a high degree of creativity and innovation. They want a high degree of productivity and uh, to gain efficiency and capacity in their businesses to really have business success. And that could include a lot of different things, but mostly it includes the intersection of thinking of the people on their team. Well, let me ask you this. So I think I know the answer, but is this something that you can actually be taught or is this, or you inherently have to, is this just part of your DNA? Uh, Well, that's a great question. It's something that can be taught. Hmm. Okay, good. Because we spent a year learning it, so I hope that I've learned something about curating conversations. That's That's where I thought it was going. That's right. It can be learned. Uh, We can learn. It's a twofold process. Conversational intelligence is about learning the neuroscience around conversations. Everything actually happens. Every assignment is given. Every idea is hatched in a conversation. And so learning the neuroscience of a conversation and and how to regulate the emotional life really in a room, how to regulate the energy level in a room is something that you can think about and plan for. So I have to be a brain surgeon to learn this? Is that what you're no, saying? No, oh, oh, it's just the study so of the brain. Right, that's oh, right. Oh, okay, good. And oh. so actually, I, there's lots of neuroscience terms and chemicals that we learned about, and how I like to talk about it instead is there's a hot system and a cold system in the oh. brain, and it's a little bit easier to understand that hot will lead to anger, fear, mistrust, problems. Yeah. And the, the cooler side, right, will co- calm that down, will bring out your best thinking, will bring out the strategy, and will bring out collaboration and the ability for the best ideas to emerge and the pieces of those ideas to connect and come together. Interesting. So hot, I think, is anxiety and, mm-hmm. and cool sounds like civility, right? Right. 
Right. Okay. Fascinating. So, you know, that that's the start of it. What are some of the most interesting things that you've learned over the past year while you're studying this process? Well, one of the things I learned that I thought was fascinating is that it takes 0.07 seconds for our brain to register an emotional reaction to an experience. 0.07 seconds. Come on. Happens before we even, our brains even can define the words that the other person spoke and what they mean. Man, that's fast. We come up with this emotional response and then those chemicals are cascading through our body while our brain interprets what the words mean. So our emotions are coloring the meaning of our words and the words that are spoken in a conversation. Say that again. So the the emotions are coloring our words? The the emotions are coloring the words that are spoken. So how we feel in the room is coloring the meaning that Mm. we assign to words. And human beings make meaning. Yeah, and we, yeah that, that's very good. Nancy Smith and uh, Sharon Eeks and I were talking about chocolate or lunch a couple weeks ago on the, on the show. And Nancy was really talking about how, um, you know, she came into this room at a restaurant and really, you know, she was kind of in a bad mood, but she didn't know that she was. And so this, like, you know, that she looks across at this other woman and they kind of got in a staring contest and it kind of were, uh, her term, had their bitch face on, you know, and it was like, and then this lovely uh, waitress comes over and is jolly and joyful and shifted her mood. Mm -hmm. So by the end, you know, she had this nice civil conversation with this woman that she had been staring down. So I think that's a good example of like. You know, she heard the words, and sometimes not even the words, someone else's actions, and started interpreting them through her emotional lens. Is that a good example? That is a great example. Okay. I got to have another good example for Please, you from, for uh, from uh, not that I was there, but I was, in fact, there at the driving school <laughs> in California where I had to go because I had a speeding ticket when I sure. lived there. And so they put you through an eight-hour course over two weekends, and I pull up to the end of this 16 hours of content, and this is the parting uh wisdom that he says you've heard all this thing you're going to forget everything you've heard but if you remember one thing and that is i want you to earn three waves from other drivers every time you're out on the road and if you get in the car and you put on your seatbelt and you think how am i going to earn three waves from other drivers as you're driving around you'll end up being a great driver and i won't see you again Oh, good. And I thought that that's the way you create civility on the roadway, right? It's to be a driver that earns three waves. But it also means that you're moving through looking for opportunities to help another driver. And so in a way, civility in the workplace is about moving through the workplace in a way that's looking to facilitate everyone's effectiveness and to really create uh, that the best in everyone to lift the organization as a whole. And when we move through the world and without our, to use your word, bitch face on, but when we move (laughs) through the world looking for opportunities to uh, meet other people where they're at and to uh, move them in in a positive direction, it helps. Uh, I'm just listening to our friends in Boston and New York. They're probably rolling their eyes and like, ain't no way. I'm getting no way from them, you know, <laughs> but I like the concept, right? That's I think right. it applies, but, right. you know, uh, I, I can hear my Uncle Sam who lives just outside of uh, uh, New York City. He'd be like, oh, I got to wait for them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I do appreciate the uh, uh, kind of down here. We do wave a lot and we do yeah. kind of, uh, we let people cut in and do things like that. So it helps. I love it. it helps. You know, another question I, I think I have is, um, you know, you hear a lot about the anger and fear in the workplace, right? Yeah. Um, you know, 
what what is it that's happening when that goes on? Is there anything that's happening maybe in our brains during that stretch of time? Like you know, if we're really trying to to connect this to the neuroscience, you know, I see a lot of anger, I see a lot of fear happening in the workplace. What's going on? Like, can, maybe, can you tell me what you've learned about that? I can't. So there's a bunch of cortisol basically being dumped mm-hmm. into your body when you have that anger and fear going on. Okay. And there's a way to interrupt it. So that's the other piece oh, cool. to learn is that those chemicals will keep cascading in our bodies if we keep thinking about that same situation or okay, we well, dwell on it. Yeah, it, let's, let's hit that. So they're just going to keep dumping, right? Right. Every, um, every 90 seconds, you're going to re-up for another hit of cortisol. Every 90 seconds? Yeah. Wow. But if you start right, breathing... Right, oh, let's stop okay. there for a second. So I want to just relate this back to some earlier work we did with uh, Power of Ted uh, from Dave Emerald, mm-hmm. right? And so it's called the FISB model. What we focus on drives our interstate, which drives our behaviors. And I talk a lot about this with like turbulence. You can be just fine on a plane, having a nice time. I drew, uh, flew through the storms that hit Charlotte last week, and... We were all fine. All of a sudden, for about four minutes, we hit some really rough turbulence. And everyone on the, on the thing got real testy. Some just started praying, got real quiet. You could just see this cortisol was like dropping down, like, you know, instead of the oxygen mass, it wasn't quite that bad. But there was this cortisol hit just happening for all of us, right? Okay. So, again, what we focus on drives our interstate, drives our behaviors. So just know that when we're in that anger and fear spot, we're getting a bunch of cortisol, right? And so now I think you were taking us to the other side. And it keeps your brain in that fight, flight, freeze, uh, or yeah. appease mindset. Yes, excellent. To stop that, mm. the first step is to breathe. Uh, and to breathe with your diaphragm, to breathe low, not high. When you breathe in your throat, that's actually where you breathe when you're having a panic attack. Oh no. When you breathe in your chest, that's a stress breathing and that's where actually most of us are breathing most of the time. Mm -hmm. But when we drop our breathing to our diaphragm, we flip the neurological system from that hot system to the cool system. Ah. Because the nerve that regulates that is at the bottom of your diaphragm. So you kick, literally click that on when you breathe from your diaphragm deeply. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I talked a lot about, um, you know, we breathe in a lot of this hot air and then we're trying to breathe out cold air. Right. So if you can breathe in the cold air first right. and then that, you know, so the breathing, the deep breathing brings in that sort of blue cold air and you get rid of all that anxiety going out. So Lee and I talked about that on another show. So interesting. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. You know, we got about three minutes here till our next break. So, you know, what are some of the aspects of conversational intelligence that have had the biggest impact on race anxiety and drama in the workplace? You know, so clearly some, you know, taking a moment to be intentional, to, to breathe would be the start of it. But what else are you seeing? I think there's a few practices that are useful. Uh, one of them is having ground rules for your team. That's mm. a very useful practice to to actually sit down and intentionally have a conversation about how you want to treat each other. That's yeah. a one important step. I did that with clients um, uh, this morning that have both in their separate groups, their separate teams have had ground rules, but haven't collected them together for their individual team, mm. where, where one is a clinical side and one is the management side. And how do you come together and have ground rules in this particular place that you work all the time? It's helpful. Because then you've, you're not having a reactive conversation. You're right. having an intentional conversation. Sure. So that's one tool. The other thing is it's such a simple thing, but it's such a big thing. It's listening. What? It's really listening. Are you and talking? What? I am. <laughs> and, and, and listening in a, with a couple of practices. One is asking questions for which you don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. And then when you hear something, instead of reacting 
asking a curious question about it so that you can actually dig deeper instead of immediately coming in with your idea, your thought, your reaction, your response to follow the other person's thoughts, experiences, their train of thought and and their inner landscape in a way to be able to allow that person to be seen and allow that person to be really fully heard. Can you just give me, uh, we got about a minute here, and maybe an example of a curious question, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I understand the first one, but, you know, what's a curious question? Curious questions tend to start with the word what. Mm. Bigger questions. When we're asking questions where we're trying to lead someone to a conclusion, we ask other questions. But what is it that you most hope to achieve in this project? What is it that uh, you aspire to have accomplished by the end of the year? Mm. What is it that matters most in the values of this organization? Those kinds of questions. What matters most for the relationship, our relationship? That's great. What is it that you want to accomplish together? Well, what matters most at the moment? Is is we're up against the clock. It's time for another break. So we will come back and we'll pick up some on some of these questions and listening. We'll talk to you in two minutes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today. Today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. 
You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I'm here today with Jennifer Owen O'Quill. We've been having a conversation about uh, how do we alleviate anxiety and cultivate civility in the workplace. And we've been spending a good bit of time around the conversational intelligence uh, content, which I know, Jennifer, you just got certified in. So congratulations again. Thank you. Um, you know, so a couple things earlier. You know, we talk about why is this important. It's we want to increase trust. We want to increase productivity. We want to increase our creativity. And by having the civil workplace where we can have the right kind of conversations, all those things are possibility. So our last segment, we talked a little bit about how do we set up ground rules, you know, make sure that we we all know what are the operating rules to work together. You know, just putting that down on paper, having a conversation about it gives you a playbook for how we do it. We then branched into listening and really listening and being able to ask important questions on top of that listening. So listening, reflecting back, asking bigger questions, the what kind of questions and things that are not easily solved. But I don't want to brush right by this thing called listening, right? You know, this is an important concept that a lot of us, we feel like we're really great listeners as we, you know, do our smartphone, as we check our computer, as we do these six things. So when we talk about listening, Jennifer, you know, what are some of the things that you learned about listening and what would you like our our audience to, to hear about listening? Well, what I want to first communicate is that when we were learning this content and and the coaches that were on in my cohort sat down and talked about what we wanted to practice, what skill we wanted to practice in, in the intensive two months of practice with each other, we each of us chose listening mm. as the competency we needed to improve in. And I want to just reflect back that these are people who listen for a living mm-hmm. and that each of us felt that we had skills to learn as listeners. Uh, one of the things that comes with a terrific listener and you can tell if you've been with one is how good you feel when you leave that person's presence. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things you can investigate about your listening capacity the capacity is to find out how people feel when they leave your meeting mm-hmm. or leave a one-on-one with you. And how do you go be curious about that, asking someone to find that out? How do you discover uh, by asking some curious questions? Was it, How did someone land back at their desk when I finished that conversation? Did they leave here with a smile or did they not? Uh, do they leave feeling like their problems are answered or that they have a better path to success or that I really heard them or not? So there is something that happens inside of a person when there's been oxytocin and not cortisol in their brain. And mm-hmm. oxytocin is the other chemical that really releases trust and it elise- releases our ability to think freely and it allows for our mind to travel very quickly to the strategic part of our brain. It allows for our mind to get up into the prefrontal cortex, whereas cortisol actually shuts off that part of our brain. So it's really important for organizations that are going through change to navigate change or downsizing or whatever in ways that really are thoughtful about how to mitigate fear and how to replace it with a sense of trust in the organization and maintaining that sense of trust with the people in the organization really has an impact on the feelings that people have um, and their ability to think strategically about the future. So that's one of the things. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And um you know, I think what I notice a lot with the folks I deal with from the listening perspective is that um, they're almost listening for you to say what they're thinking, 
<laughs> right? And so they're, they're kind of looking for um, confirmation. And so they're not really listening to the other person. They're waiting to hear like, yes, that's exactly what I want to say. Or they're waiting for you to say the thing that they want to argue about. And so it's, it's not really listening for curiosity. It's not really listening for creativity. It's, it's almost, um, well, let me tell you why you're wrong or why you're so brilliant. And I don't even let you finish your statement, right? And um, part of this is that our sort of uh, the normal person speaks at about 170 words a minute. You know, I might go a little faster, not on the radio show, but in general, you know, I, I'm a pretty fast speaker. Yes, you do. Yes, you are. It's true. <laughs> but mo- but our brain can process about 480 words per minute, 450, 480 words per minute. So we got all this extra horsepower that's saying, boy, I wish that other person would speed up so I can just tell them what they need to be told. And so we just have this energy. So part of this is you, we have to slow down a little bit and really listen intently. You know, one of the practices that I use a lot with both coaching, one-on-ones, but also in team meetings is something called rounding, right? And so the reason for that is twofold. One, it is um, it is a listening tool. Uh, often what happens is it's used to build some trust too, but it's also there to get us to slow down. Because here's what happens normally when you go into a meeting. Everyone kind of just has the agenda, or there's no agenda, truthfully. And what they're trying to do is that they go right into uh, all the problems that are happening. We dive in, and the, sort of the thing that happens the least is listening. There's a whole lot of talking over each other. And so what we'll often do is an opening round where we talk for 30 seconds, maybe a minute, depending on how long the meeting is, and we let each person in the meeting just sort of say, what's their desired outcome? And is there maybe something that they would like to share that's going, been working well? The intent here is, again, to get people present, kind of breathing, but you also start to hear good things happening in other places. And I really, once you've done this round, opening round a few times, you start to be present and not worried about what you're going to say, which allows you to listen. And so we then have a chance to say, oh, I came in thinking that this was our problem. Now that I've heard from three or four other people and they've got similar challenges, it sounds like we're on the same page. Instead of me having to prove what we're going to talk about, wow, why don't we work on that? And so I will often use an opening round of, again, desired outcomes, maybe something's been working well, maybe what's the one topic you want to get out of today's conversation? Jennifer, thoughts? Uh, those are all great, curious questions because mm-hmm. they are not questions for which you have an answer. You, the, cha- the difference between a question that you have an answer for or when you want to lead someone to your answer and a, a really honest, curious question has a real impact on the brain of the people who are listening so just pitching those questions at the beginning of an opening round when you gather for a meeting helps set and curate you didn't know you've been doing it all this time jeff curate Mm -hmm. a conversation that begins with uh with this big hit of oxytocin so that people can enter the meeting and uh and be as open as possible Uh, the other the other piece that uh, tactic that I learned inside of this is the is a closing round and that there's a particular question in the closing round that I found helpful and it was a question that that said what did we learn at today and so it was you get to clarify what the expectations were in the meeting mm-hmm. as an intentional question about what did you what are you feeling anxious about what are you leaving feeling anxious about what resources do you need right um, what what do you what do you need next and how is it that uh, that you're going to take this out and do the next thing? So there's there's these practices where you're, if there's if there is as we like to say the last ten percent 
of something that you were worried about or concerned about, um, a problem in the decision that you didn't share, you'd have an opportunity at the closing round to name it. Mm. And that might be something that actually stops a bad decision from getting made. at least it gives you the opportunity to communicate your concern. Yeah. And it allows you to leave the meeting with a lot more integrity. And it stops the thing that happens at the water cooler is the meeting after the meeting. The meeting after the meeting. Because you've already had it when you were together. Yeah. So let's hit that closing round again because we went kind of fast through that, right? So it's clarifying expectations. Clarifying expectations. Sure. Um, anything that you're anxious about? What are you anxious about? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Next action steps. Next action steps. Okay. What did you learn? And what did you learn? Right. right? Okay. So, uh, you know, I think part of a, how do you create civility in the workplace is that you allow time. And you don't just sort of, um, as Scott Eblen says, we're, we're all racked and stacked in meetings. Right. And so honoring the fact that, hey, if this is an hour meeting. We're going to need five minutes at the end to cover something like this to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so I think that promotes some civility instead of like you're kind of all like racing at the end of the meeting, just kind of throwing things. You do this and you do that. Who's on point for that? You know, and so I think a practice is taking five minutes to wrap a meeting appropriately, taking a couple of minutes just to kick off a meeting appropriately and being really intentional can help to lower that anxiety and elevate that civility, that creativity and lead to better productivity and trust. And if you're meeting for an hour and you're going to meet, be in meetings all day, to have the meeting start in first and second gear to allow you that time to really think and process what is about to happen and why you're there. And then to get to the end, think about what you've accomplished and what you need to do next. If you're, if you're pushing a meeting all the way up to the limit of the hour, you don't have time to take good notes about what it is that you needed to do. You don't have time to give good feedback about what just happened. And you carry those things with you. And that creates eventually drama in the workplace. Because if somebody said something that you didn't care for and you didn't talk about it in that moment, then you're going to leave and you're going to bring it with you the next time. But it's going to be larger. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I can hear some people, some of our listeners probably out there rolling their eyes a bit and saying, Jeff, you know, Jennifer, our meetings are jam-packed. Right. And they are. And I would just say that a lot of it, though, is that we're not really listening. We're not really communicating effectively with each other because we're not fully present. And so, actually, I would encourage it to say, hey, the meeting content may only need to be 35 or 40 minutes if you do this right. And there's time for a relationship on either end. And you might be able to run meetings in 45 minutes if you really stopped, listen, abided by your ground rules instead of be people being only partially present, kind of stacking on top of each other, not really listening. And so we know, yes, you are really busy, but a lot of the meetings we sit in are not particularly productive because folks aren't listening. There isn't the ground rules. There isn't the sense of how we're going to be together. And so if you take some time to do that on the front end, we think you'll get time in the back, you know, future meetings, and you'll have a more productive uh, workplace. About meetings to managing time in a meeting, one of the tools that we teach in our uh, in our Ampere Leadership class is uh, a facilitator pitches a problem to the group and the group solves the problem and the facilitator tracks how many statements and how many questions are asked and by whom. And so you end up with a map of who took up the most time mm-hmm. and then you pass that around at the end. It's a wonderful learning tool as uh, as you facilitate a meeting. If you have somebody track that and you pass it around, it allows people to just become aware mm-hmm. of how they're showing up and how much time they're taking away from their colleagues. And to just restate at the end, we want to share the time equally here. Let's do a better job 
job. So those of you that were quiet and hung back, I want to hear more from you next time. And those of you who took a lot of time, I want you to I want you to step back and really be wise about when you speak and interject your thinking so that we can share the time equitably. And that creates civility in the workplace, but it also draws out the thinking of people who are less likely to step in to a meeting. Thanks, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So um, great stuff in this segment. Uh, we're up against the break, so we'll come back in two minutes and give you some tips and tools to walk away from. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. We've been having a great conversation today between Jennifer Owen and myself uh, around anxiety and civility in the workplace. And, you know, quite honestly, both are important. You need to be able to, to understand why there's such anxiety. But we really want to get to a place where there's civility. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, candor and civility, quite honestly, be able to have hard conversations. It's not avoiding things. Um, you know, so, Jennifer, as we start to kind of uh, put the wrap on the show, you know, I'm curious about some maybe tips and tools that our listeners can take away from today's program. One of the things I would say is practice your listening Mm. and check out how well you listened Mm. by seeing how people leave your presence. Mm. What's the condition, the interstate that they were in and how can you find that out? Uh, Listening well means asking uh, great questions 
And curious questions oftentimes begin with what. Uh, so that's a that's a trick. Crafting some of those in advance is helpful. We also talked about uh, we talked a little bit about rounding both at the beginning and at the end mm-hmm. uh, to allow for there to be, to be to be time to celebrate at the beginning, to talk about desired outcomes at the beginning, but at the end to pull up and find out what the expectations are, what we learned, and what we're anxious about, and what we're going to do next. Those are helpful things. We also talked about uh, triangles and how to avoid them. Triangulation? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Should we hit that one for a second? I think let's stop, let's stop there for a moment. So uh, here's a tip to understand whether what you're saying is a triangulation or gossip or not. Okay. Are you speaking about someone who is not present? Mm. If you're speaking about someone who's not present, are those words praising that person? Right. blessing that person or encouraging that person. And by bless that person, I don't mean bless their heart. Oh, that's what we do in the South. <laughs> so if you're not familiar, because it's a worldwide audience, in the Southern United States, uh, often we'll say something uh, like, Jennifer, I bless your heart. And so Jennifer's not in the room, you know, and that means I could turn to Lee now. And now once we say bless, bless Jennifer's heart, we can now talk about her, right? And so that would be an example of gossip. In a negative way. In a negative, in a negative way. way. So that's an example of gossip, right? Right, okay, right. Yeah. So that's not helpful. Yeah. Uh, and the critical things you need to say to someone directly. Mm-hmm. And if you're afraid to say it to them directly, then you need to bring someone with you to say it directly mm-hmm. to them. Because otherwise, it creates ugliness in everybody's life, in a family, in a workplace, in our community, to, to talk badly about your neighbor without actually trying to talk to your neighbor, uh, to your seatmate, to what teammate, whatever the context may be. So is the person that you're speaking about present or not? And then are the words coming out of your mouth uh, kind or not? And if you have something critical to say, that's that's fine. Go have that crucial conversation with that person who can actually help. Um, The other thing is to remember is that uh, when you go have that conversation, the that person is also the star of their own movie, just like you're the star of yours. And so what the meaning you've assigned to their words may not actually be what they meant. Yeah. So keep space for that. We need to be able to reframe and refocus and redirect um, yeah. people. I like that. Um, I think on the triangulation, one point, sometimes I, I hear this, hey, I go talk to a f- uh, friend or coworker to um, maybe practice the conversation and get ready. Okay, maybe, right? So I'm okay with that. And often we get used as coaches to do that. I would just say to make sure that you're not going to that person in that gossip sort of spirit. It's what's your intent. Hey, if it really does go help you, you know, if if you're that friend and someone's coming, ask him, what's the intent? Why, why are you talking about this person that's not here? Oh, you want to practice the conversation. Okay, but then hold that person accountable. And so that can be one of your ground rules is that if you were going to go have a conversation, you know, you have to have some set time where you're going to go have that conversation. And so uh, in a previous life at Capital One, that was our rule. Um, was the triangulization. The only way you could have a a triangulized conversation was you had to commit to going and having that conversation you just practiced within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was a very clear ground rule. We prefer you not to have had the conversation, but if you really felt like you need to practice it, you only had 24 hours. And the person that would practice with you, they were supposed to check back with you in 24 hours. It's a great rule. Yeah. It's a great ground rule. Yeah. And so to me, what I want to go back to on all this, though, is what is your intent? And so when you walk into a meeting, 
If we're looking to how to knock down anxiety and to cultivate civility, it's what is your intent walking into the meeting? What's your presence you're bringing in? Have you taken a deep breath? I was I was speaking for Roche uh, in Denver, uh, excuse me, in Dallas this past Wednesday um, to a bunch of laboratories, and that's what I talked about. You know, they're they're going from meeting to meeting to meeting, and I just said, stop for just a moment outside the the meeting room. What's the intent? What is something that make make you anxious in this meeting? Who is someone, though, that you could build on? Who is someone that could be really helpful for you in this meeting? But to take a deep breath three, four times from the belly, get all the way down in there, and calm yourself down. Because if you just go in there and you haven't had your lunch and you're highly caffeinated on your Starbucks and you start talking like I'm talking right now, it's like, ah! You're going to not promote civility. It's going to be you're going to run right over people. There's no listening. So get clean with your intent before you ever walk into the situation. Another practice I've heard a leader has is when people, when he has a meeting and he's called people to it, he stands at the door and he greets every single person coming to the meeting and thanks them for coming. Ah. And then he sits down, leads the meeting, and then at the end, he thanks people for being there and he is there at the door again so that if people have questions, they're going to pass by him and, and be able to have a moment or two to talk. And I think those... However you do it to create that engagement is really important. That's great. You know, is there, are there any other tips or tools that uh, you think are helpful? You know, I, I, I love this uh, idea of the opening round, the closing round. Uh, I also love the fact that, um, you know, what you're trying to do is get people to really connect, use better questions, listen more intently. But I also think it's, you know, things like building relationships, taking the taking time to go have a coffee or a lunch or, you know, get to know people a little bit better. Um doing some recognition at both the beginning and the end of meetings, as well as maybe doing a round and, and stopping by and saying thanks for a job well done. Anything else for you? I, I would add, uh, as you're having conversations, if there's something that trips you up with what somebody else says, uh, double-click on what that meant. Double-click. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like we double-click on our mouse, yeah, right? Sure. Double-click and make sure. What did you mean by that? Can you say more? We'll have that emotional response in that 0.07 seconds, and we'll assign it a meaning and a tone of voice. But to t- circle back around and say, wait a minute, what did you mean by that? Mm. It's really helpful. One of the things that's tricky uh, that I notice also is when we uh, – or sit down with a couple of folks that have been working together for five years and it's clear that they're still uncomfortable with one another. Yeah. It's not that they don't like each other. It's that they don't know each other. Right. And that's sad. We spend yeah. so much of our time at work. Be curious about the people that you work with. Ask questions about what they want, what they really want, and know what their aspirations are. You might find there's a talent locked in the person sitting next to you that you didn't know that's exactly right for the assignment that you have. <laughs> I love it. Jennifer, boy, an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Thanks thanks for uh, helping us out, uh, having a great conversation. Uh, I know you do such great work with our customers, our clients. I know you're a sought-off speaker and facilitator and now a, a coach certified in conversational intelligence. So congratulations. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. Next week on the show, we are going to have Zach Mercurio. Zach and I are going to be having a conversation about uh, your purpose. The, the What's the purpose of you? What's your purpose in the organization? Um, can we find a common purpose and how do we drive it into all levels of organization and create meaningful work so that it improves not only our engagement, but our own wellness? And how do we find joy and happiness in the workplace? 
which I think is missing, and we'll build off of this topic. So look forward to talking to Zach next week. So again, you've been listening to Illuminating Leadership. Thanks again for being with us each and every week. Uh, we are on next week again at 1 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and just a reminder, uh, clocks get changed this week, so make sure you change your clocks. If you want to reach us during the week, you can email me at jeff at voltageleadership.com. You can find out more information about Voltage and how to work with us at voltageleadership.com. You can like us on Facebook at Voltage Leadership and connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith at Voltage Leadership Consulting or Jennifer Owen O'Quill at Voltage Leadership Consulting. If you're a Twitter fan, you can reach out to us. Uh, follow me on JMU Jeff on Twitter. And so each and every week, we try to provide topics that hopefully will illuminate new parts of leadership or help you be able to be more effective at what you'd like to do. Please feel free to send us a tip or an idea at any of these places. We really do appreciate the feedback and all the things that you've done to help make this show possible. So in the meantime, keep practicing these great skill sets, asking great questions, and have an awesome week. We'll see you next week at 1 p.m. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to VoltCast, illuminating leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.